All right, if you would tonight, take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke this evening. Luke chapter number 12. Luke and chapter number 12. So as we mentioned, I mentioned last week, we're in between our um, Wednesday night series. So in, next week, Lord willing, we'll begin a new topic. But this week and last week, we've been in between. Last week, we were in the book of Galatians, and we looked at really just the life of a Christian, doing good deeds in God's house. That was the theme. I'm trying to pick a couple of passages to really kind of prepare our mindset for what we're about to receive in this missions conference. So just kind of focusing on some topics that just prepare our hearts for what God has for us. And so tonight, we're going to look at Luke 12. And we're going to look at quite a few verses, but I want to start out in verse number 13. And we're going to read verse 13 down through number 15. Then we're going to skip ahead a little. So hopefully you got your Bible out, you got a pen handy, or your phone to take some notes on, or something like that, where uh, we can get the most out of the lesson tonight, because I do not have a handout for you, but I'd encourage you to jot some things down. So the topic tonight is this, developing a kingdom mindset, developing a kingdom mindset. So if you are taking notes, I would just write that down, kingdom mindset. So I'm going to ask you, ask you to describe that to me in just a minute, and we'll get a discussion going. But before we do, let's look at Luke 12, and I want to start in verse number 13. Luke 12, verse 13. And one of the company said unto Jesus... Master, speak to my brother, that he divide the inheritance with me. So you pick up the theme of what's going on. Jesus is teaching and leading, and these two guys come up to him. They're like, well, we can't solve this problem, so maybe you'll do it for us. And so they say, Jesus, we, we want you, I want you to tell my brother, I want you to tell my brother, how many of you have a family member you'd like Jesus to tell them a thing or two? You know what I'm talking about? You're like, hey, why don't you tell my brother, tell my cousin, tell my mom, tell, tell this, tell them to do this. Well, that's this, this guy's attitude. But specifically, what is it that he wants? He says, tell my brother to divide that inheritance with me. And Jesus says in verse 14, this is interesting, and he said unto him, man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? Now that's an interesting question, isn't it? Because isn't Jesus, wouldn't he, would he be able to rightly judge this situation? Yes or no? No trick question here. Would Jesus be able to, to give a righteous judgment? Sure, greater than Solomon. You remember Solomon in the Old Testament? He would, people would come and he would discern. Of course, Jesus is more than capable of doing this, but he says, who made me a judge or a divider over you. Why do you think he doesn't want to answer this question? Why do you think he what what's why does he respond this way? He could give them an answer. Why doesn't he? Anybody? Mike? My handy first hand up always. Get us started. Go ahead. Okay. The heart of the person asking. Yeah, I think that's you're right on track. Yes. I, I kind of think that's uh, it's not his. It isn't his duty to, to okay. give answers to that. I mean, it's like 
why would why would the person go to him and ask that? That's in, that's like pretty strange, right? <laughs> okay, all right. Somebody else. What? What? Why is she just not answering this? Yeah, Steve. Oh, I like. I think you got it right there. He came to talk about a whole lot more important things. Whole lot more important things. However, what does this tell us about the heart of the guy? Like what what Mike said. What is the what does this tell us about the person asking the question? He's a, he's, he's interested in the money. What? Yep. Sure. Put himself first. Think about it in contrast to what Steve said. Steve, Steve said, you know, Jesus has more important things to do, but to this guy, what are his priorities, right? He has very different priorities. If you could ask Jesus, just think about it, if you could ask Jesus one thing, this guy had his chance to come to Jesus and ask for one thing, and look at what he asks for. Boy, his mindset is a little bit off, and remember, the theme tonight is developing a kingdom mindset. He's not concerned with the kingdom at all. So, Let's read on. Verse 15, and he said unto them. So this poor guy now gets to be made a bit of an example out of. So the guy comes, says, hey, will you divide the inheritance? He said, who made me a judge or ruler over you? And then he doesn't focus on the man. He focuses on the whole crowd. And as he looks at the whole crowd, he says to the whole crowd, beware. He says, you need to, you need to take heed. Beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not. It's not made up of the abundance of the, say it with me, things which he possesses. Now come down with me to verse number 29. We're going to look at some of the verses in between, but skip down to verse 29. He says, And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. Now look at verse 30. For all these, what's it say? Things do the nations of the world seek after. And your father knoweth that ye have need of these things, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you, say it with me, the kingdom. So we're talking about developing a kingdom mindset. So let's get right to the application here this evening. How would you describe it? If I, if I were to say, obviously the fellow at the beginning of the story, he did not have a kingdom mindset. But let's put it in our 21st century context where we live. What does a kingdom mindset look like? Well, first of all, we better define what are we talking about when we say the kingdom? Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. What are, what are we talking about the kingdom? I don't need the most deep answer here, but basically, what are we talking about when we say seek the kingdom? The kingdom of heaven, what does that mean? Right. Okay, so that which is eternal, that which is of God, that which uh, is subject to the rule and reign of God. Now, there are prophetic implications to the kingdom, and, and we could talk about that, but that's not the purpose of the lesson tonight. We could talk about the kingdom and the millennium and, and future events and all of that. However, using kingdom in the broadest sense, that there is a coming kingdom, but there's also God's kingdom in operation right now. And you and I as believers are to be part of it. 
and our thoughts and our focus should be kingdom-oriented. So you tell me then, what, does, what comes to mind when I describe a kingdom mindset? Let's take a, a person living in 2022, when you think of them having a kingdom mindset, what types of things come to your mind? Yes, Jim. The, uh, Okay. Yep. Go ahead. So, uh, okay. So, you're, you're, Jim said thinking about the mansions the Lord has prepared, so thinking about eternity. And then someone with a kingdom mindset is someone who's going to spend time, what did you say? Some time witnessing. Yeah. Okay. What else? Somebody with a kingdom mindset. What is that? What do their values look like? What do their behaviors look like? What kind of a person is this? Say, hey, you know what? Do you believe, let me ask you this, do you believe that every Christian behaves with a kingdom mindset? No, and not always. Even the best of us, not always. Even the most faithful, not always. What what separates somebody that would have a kingdom mindset? Understands that they are an ambassador of Christ. They are a representative of Christ. So they live a life in such a way they wouldn't want to bring reproach yeah. to the name of Jesus. They want others to see the light of Jesus living in through them. So the opposite of that would be someone who claims to be a member of the kingdom and may be, but they, they don't think before they act. They right. say things, they, get, they put themselves in situations where they shouldn't, they uh, have a poor testimony in the community. Um, yeah, so someone who realizes... The of that would be a good... Well, they realize that, they, they're, that everything we do because we bear the name of Jesus. We bear the name of his kingdom. So before I go there, before I say that, before I post that, before I watch that, before I'm seen there, I realize, hey, what I do, people will associate with the name of Christ because I, I belong to the kingdom. Yeah, so I think that's a... So, and then, if you're going to do the part, if you're going to be kingdom-minded, like Mike said, be a witness, well, then you got to have this part, too, where you're... What do they say? That uh, your talk talks but also your walk talks. And so you better make sure that your walk talks louder than your talk talks. I think I got that out. So, um, yeah, your walk, yeah, I got it. Your walk talks louder than your talk talks. You got it. All right, so think about it. Somebody else, something, a kingdom-minded person, what does their life look like? Those are two, I think there's more. How would you describe somebody that's, a, that's got a, a kingdom mindset? Yeah? Money, I would say money is not in that. Everyone needs a certain amount of money to get by and so forth so on, but money wouldn't be your number one goal in life and everybody. Yeah, so if you're in the kingdom mindset, and this passage specifically talks about it, you're going to have a very different view of money and possessions. It's actually amazing. Jesus spoke a lot about money and possessions. And people with a kingdom mindset it's not that they have much or have little. That's really irrelevant. That the amount is irrelevant. It's what it's how they channel, how they direct the resources God has given them. That's kingdom minded. So, all right, somebody else. What's a what's a, another aspect? If you describe somebody, boy, they really are living for the kingdom. They have a kingdom mindset. What else? We've talked about testimony. We've talked about sharing the faith. We've talked about financial resources. How they view money. Yeah. Oh, so they're going to put other people before themselves. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Teresa, what were you going to say? Right. You simply want to, to do what he wants you to do. You long to know his purpose, you know, for what what, what does he want you to do today and this weekend and this year? Right? Right. They, they, right. They're concerned that person is concerned with not my will be done, but thy will be done in me. What else? A kingdom minded person. Yeah, they're going to have a different attitude. They're going to, they should be full of joy, um, not cantankerous or contentious, but, but uh, there's going to be a spiritual positivity about them. I think also what would be interesting is how they spend their time, right? Like we live in a generation that has copious amounts of time when compared to past ages. Like we, we have lots and lots of time, but a person... A person with a kingdom mindset is going to understand that time is short. Time is limited. Jesus is coming back, and I'd better make sure that my time is spent for the kingdom of God. Anything else before I move on? All right. So I think we've got a good understanding, then. I think we're on the same page for what this means. So let me give you four simple things. I'm going to do it quickly. So I'd encourage you to write them down. Four things in this text that Jesus gives us. We've already seen that he tells us to be kingdom-minded. So four things that I think we can learn. Uh, number one, number one is a kingdom-minded person has a new perspective on possessions. A new perspective on possessions. Again, I come to the, these, pass, these types of passages as we prepare our hearts for missions because as we come into a, a missions conference, our hearts are going to be challenged to, to Live for the kingdom, to pour our energy, pour our money, pour our efforts and our passion into the kingdom of God. And so these teachings of Jesus help prepare us. So first of all, a new perspective on possessions. Back now to verse number 15. Look at what Jesus says, Luke 12, and in verse number 15, after this guy asks for Jesus to divide the inheritance, we read this already, Jesus says, take heed, beware of covetousness. For man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Do you think that there is anyone that would say, do you think of anyone who would say, you know what, all that matters in life is how much stuff you get. Do you think you'd actually meet anybody that would say that out loud? Get all the stuff you can? Maybe, maybe. But speaking to the average person that you know, do you think they would agree or disagree with the statement that, Life is all about the stuff you can get. You think most people would agree or disagree with that, verbally at least? Yeah, they would disagree with that. They'd say, no, there's far more important things in life. However, in our actions, in our actions, tell me, how do we show that things are, are most important to us? In what ways do our actions demonstrate that we may not say it with our, with our mouths, but we live it that our actions are most important, or that our things are most important? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great example. Well, they will give up time spent with loved ones for to get more stuff, work harder, do whatever. Any other ways people demonstrate that things are more important that are, are, are most important to them? It's not things. Sometimes it's status. Yeah, status. 
status is a thing, I guess. You know, sure, yep. Power, yeah. People act in their actions. They show that things are more important. Some people criticize what they do for a living as being not valuable, and yet they go at it 80 hours a week. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, I would say another thing is people will, people will, they will change their behaviors in order to achieve what they want, right? You do, you behave in a way to get what you want, right? The, the, what you spend your time on, what you spend your efforts in, it shows you what's, what's important to you. And so people will work overtime, for instance. They'll work overtime maybe to you know, buy that motorcycle they wanted to buy, or their boat, or whatever. Or, and they'll do these things. So anyway, and they, they wouldn't say that. Now look at, so Jesus is specifically talking about money. Look at verse 16. He spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. He's doing really well. And he thought within himself, saying, Self, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. Boy, talking about, we call those first world problems now. Where will I put all the stuff? Where will I put all the things? And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for you for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be Mary, I would, I would uh, propose that, that the, the problem isn't always his actions, but it's his attitude. And then he says, and, and then what, look at what happens in verse number 20. But God said unto him, who's been, all the, who's been doing all the talking up until now? He has. He's talking to himself. He's bragging to himself. He's patting himself on the back. He's congratulating himself. And now God speaks. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? Jesus now gives us the application. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. We need a new perspective in our possessions. Now, I would say that whether you, you do not have to be a rich person, you do not have to be a rich person to show, to demonstrate that you have the wrong perspective of money. In fact, what are some habits that even lower income people exhibit to show that they are, have a wrong focus on money? This is true. Yeah, what else? In fact, there's a, one, of, one of the worst taxes on the poor in our society right now. It's a terrible tax on the poor. It's the lottery. It's the lottery. You do not find wealthy people, for the most part, buying scratch tickets. You find, you, you find people that 
say, oh, well, if I would just have more money, my life would be better. I would say, I would say most, if not every form of gambling has in it that desire for hasty riches. In order for you to win in gambling, it means that at least one person, if not many person, have to what? Yeah, it's a zero-sum game. If there aren't lots and lots of losers, there are no winners. Right? That's how it kind of works. It wouldn't work otherwise. So people will ask the question, well, what's wrong? What's wrong, what's wrong with this? The fact is that you would be, pro whereas a business or hard work is not a zero-sum game, there, everybody can win. Everybody can win. Same with investments. They're not based on someone losing. Um, so th these are the, the ways that we show that money can be more important to us. It could also be in, per in, in flamboyant purchases that we can't afford, etc. So I, g I gave some challenges on Sunday morning, if you were here for the Sunday morning message, just to kind of, for each of us to examine our own spending accounts and ask ourselves the question, at what level am I financially invested in the kingdom, right? So you say, well, I give, you know, I give $10 a month to missions. Well, if that is what you can afford, then praise God. However, if you give $10 a month to missions and, and $50 a month to your cable subscriptions and, and other subscriptions, we're probably a little out of whack there. Right? Maybe you disagree, but you're not going to change my mind. <laughs> We're probably a little out of whack. That how much of what we spend, and now again, it's a matter of proportion. It's a matter of saying, to saying that the Bible says that we, and I'm, well, I'm, it may be preached about with, from missionaries, I don't know, but often it is that God has called us to give as we've been blessed. So we are expected to live. We're supposed to enjoy the fruits of our labor. The Bible speaks of that. We've got to be careful about how, how balanced is our financial life. So get a new perspective on possessions. So if you have a kingdom mindset, but that's the negative. And I, I feel that very often in, in, in the church world, the negative of money is emphasized, but not the positive of money. I want you to notice this, and this will give you the second point. Look at verse number 21. In his application of the problem with this rich man, I want you to look at verse 21. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not what? Rich toward God. What was the man's problem? Was the problem in the amount of money that he had? What was the problem? Right. He directed all of the money to himself. So number one, get a new perspective on possessions. But let me give you number two. And this is the positive statement of money for the Christian. Build and use wealth for the kingdom. Now here's an interesting one for you. As we think about money and we think about um, giving to missions. I was accustomed my whole life to this concept, and this is a good concept. Do not misunderstand me. Make a sacrifice financially so that you can give. 
I've lived that principle in my life. How many of you, you've lived that principle? Make a sacrifice. What? Hey, what can I cut? I kind of actually talked about it. What can I, what can I, maybe I don't go out to eat as much. Maybe, maybe I, I cut one of those descriptions. Whatever. I, I'm very accustomed to that line of thinking. But several years ago, I, I, I came to understand a new principle, and that is this. It's not just about cutting. Sometimes it's about saying, God, enlarge my borders. Right? Remember back around the year 2000, the Prayer of Jabez book was like the big rage. Anybody remember that? Maybe, maybe. Mike, were you around in 2000? I'm just trying to. No. <laughs> He's like, no, it wasn't. Okay. Anyway, this book was all the rage, but it's the Prayer of Jabez. You can look it up. So, um, it, but it was just a simple little truth. It was Jabez prayed for God, basically just to enlarge his his borders and his possessions and his tents, and. I thought about, I've thought about that a lot in years since, and that problem if we're asking God to enlarge us for us, but if we're going to take that and we're going to deploy those resources in some measure, in great measure for the kingdom, man, God can use it. So I think not just should we be encouraging Christians to, I don't think we should just be encouraging Christians to cut and save so that they can give, but I think we should be encouraging Christians to go build a business, go make a lot of money, go invest. Do something big financially, and then take that blessing and use it. You, you just look at church history. You can travel around even this region, all over New England, New York State, through our camp facilities and Christian conference facilities. Do you know how those things got built? Business people, wealthy business people, a lot of them, and there have been, well, I'm really on a tangent now. The, the point is this that there have always been people that have been blessed financially that have used it for the kingdom. And we don't want to lose that. And so we shouldn't just have a poverty mentality. In fact, turn a couple pages forward to Luke 16. Luke and 16. Um, yeah, exactly. This building was built by uh, Mr. Wells, very wealthy man here in North Adams, a very wealthy family. They, they, they built this. So anyway, we need to be careful as, in whatever stage in life you are, if, if you're young or young enough in life where you can make, make some money, go out and make that money. Make it happen. If you're a little bit older and you say, well, you know what, I've, I've you know, financially I'm pretty much where I'm going to be, all right? Well, be careful how you speak to the younger generation, right? Encourage the younger generation. So some people are blessed with with financial talents and abilities and that's that can be a great service to the kingdom of god all right i'm repeating myself so look at this this is a cool passage um you, you'll have to read the whole thing on your own but it's in chapter 16 verses 1 through 9 i'm going to give you the cliff notes basically there's the steward he's an unjust steward and nobody paid their bills his job is to collect all the bills right so hey I've lent money out. You need to go collect all the bills. Well, the bill time came due, and guess what happened? The steward is like, I didn't collect any of the bills. I'm in big trouble, and I have to go to my master, and I've got no money. So rather than, rather than uh, lose everything, he goes and he makes a deal with all these people. He's like, hey, you know what? You owe, you owe $1,000. How about you just pay $500 right now? Let's just settle it right now. He gets that. And then he goes to the next guy. You owe, you know, you owe twenty five hundred bucks. How about you? What can you pay me? What can you pay me right now? All right, this guy's—he's a debt collector. 
and he gets all this money, and he saves his skin by being witty, by being shrewd, by being smart. Now, he's an unjust guy. So why would Jesus use an example like this? Verse number 8 of Luke 16. And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. He that is faithful in least is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in least is unjust also in much. Verse 11, if therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, so mammon is money, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Jesus literally tells the, his followers, you ought to get a financial education. You ought to know how to use money and use it for the glory of God. Okay? So, I've got two principles so far. Number one, we said get a new, if you're going to have a kingdom mindset, you've got to have a new perspective on possessions. Number two, you should build and use wealth for the kingdom. Now, number three. Are you ready for number three? Yes, good. Number three, learn to live by faith. Learn to live by faith. Jesus, back here in, in Luke chapter number 12, he continues this discussion. Luke 12 and verse number 22. And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what ye shall eat, neither for the body what ye shall put on. The life is more than meat. The body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for, the, for, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? You can't make yourself an inch taller. So some of us wish we could, just, just a little bit, but can't do it. So why do you worry about all these other things? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of, what's it say, doubtful mind. Don't doubt, but live by faith. Now, does this imply passivity? Absolutely not. The Bible gives us much instruction about working hard. But there's a difference between working and then that other W word, which is worrying, right? There's a difference between working and worrying. We just got to trust God that if we're following Him, if we're living His principles, that He is going to provide for us. Very often we want to say, well, God, if you will give to me, then I will trust you. But that wouldn't be faith, would it? That's the opposite of faith. That's sight. Faith says, I will do what you've called me to do. And again, it could be something like, I will, I will make a faith promise commitment. I will make a commitment to missions. Or it could be something literally that says, hey, I believe you want me to take this new job and you're going to bless in this endeavor. Right? Both of those are, are steps of financial faith. But we've got to, believe, we, we've got to stop worrying that it's all up to us. God will provide. 
We've got to learn to live by faith and not by fear. There's the story of Elijah and the widow of Zarephath. The story is, is of this little lady who has a son, and Elijah, there's a famine in the land. Elijah goes to the widow lady of Zarephath, and he says to her, boy, I sh-, well, God sends him there for one thing, but he says to her, boy, I sure am hungry. And she says what? Well, all I've got, all I've got is just enough oil and just enough flour to make one last meal for me and my son. And then we're going to die. And Elijah says to her, you just make the food first for me and then make the meal for them. That is the perfect picture of faith. Because it would have been just as it would have been just as much a miracle. It would have been just as much a miracle if Elijah said this. I'll tell you what. Go ahead and make that food for yourself and your son, and then you'll be surprised. There'll be enough for me too. Would that have been just as much of a miracle? Absolutely. But would there have been any faith there? Not at all. Because faith required her to stick her neck out. Faith required her to take a chance. Faith required her to risk something. And Jesus says this, it's it's not a, but there is no chance. There is no risk because God said, I will provide. Now, we've always got to have a caveat here. There's some people that recklessly step out of the will of God and say, well, I just feel like doing this. And they do something wild and reckless, and they say, well, God, now you step in and you save the day. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about following God faithfully, seeking his will, walking with him, stepping out, and then watching him come through. And he promises to come through. That's what kingdom people do. We live by faith. We don't wait until every single thing is lined up perfectly. We can understand it all. We can explain it all. We've got enough of God's word to trust him believe him okay three points get a new perspective on possessions build wealth use it for the kingdom learn to live by faith and number four and finally we've got to establish spiritual priorities we've got to establish spiritual priorities pick it up now verse 29 we already read that neither be of doubtful mind it finishes verse 30 for all these things do the nations of the world seek after And your father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather, seek ye the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added unto you. Boy, there's a a lot of security in being able to pillow your head at night and, and say, I am seeking God's kingdom first. That I know I don't always do everything right. I make mistakes. And my flesh takes over sometimes, but I'm confident that in my heart of hearts, I want what God wants first. You know what happens when we settle that? When we know that we say, well, I want what God wants first, then the other things fall in place. He gives us desires, he moves us, he directs us in a supernatural way. He tells us in verse 32, we don't need to be afraid. Now look at verse 33. Sell that ye have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. 
For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord. When he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily, I say unto you, that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know, that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and had not suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. When we talk about establishing spiritual priorities, the most important thing to realize, if we're a kingdom-minded person, is that we've been left here for the Master's pleasure. We've been left here to wait and watch for the return of Jesus. And we spend too much time watching our bank accounts and watching our stock portfolios and watching our calendar of events that we schedule and watching our careers and watching our vacation plans. And we're watching for all these things in our lives. And, and Jesus says, you had better be watching for me. Jesus would give the disciples instructions, occupy until I come. Be ready. Lamps trimmed and burning. Establish spiritual priorities. So what these are, what these kinds of teachings are, this is, this is most likely nothing new to anybody who's in here tonight. But what we have in these passages is places that we can come and we can say, God, just reset our souls. Right? Just, just I, I, I used to live by faith, and I'm just realizing that I've, I'm not. I used to have these values and these priorities, and now I'm realizing that they've, they've fallen to the wayside. So God, use this scripture, and Holy Spirit, teach me to get that kingdom mindset once again. And when the Lord comes, if He comes in the second watch or in the third watch, he finds us in that way. He'll say, blessed are those servants. That's all we are. It's not our house. It's not our kingdom. It's his kingdom. And we're here to serve in the kingdom of God. Let's have a kingdom mindset. Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful that uh, you speak to us. We're thankful that we're saved and that you've called us into your kingdom. Lord, I pray that you would help each and every one of us just live for you, to be sold out for you. I pray that you would be preparing our church this for this weekend, that uh, you just do a great work in all of our hearts. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, if you've placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com 
or send us a message on Facebook. You can also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.